0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Blood Exchange Podcast. Thank you for joining us today in our very first episode in this sickle cell series. I am Sam Mbunya, and I am an advocate for change and inclusivity for sickle cell disease and hemophilia blood disorders for the Indiana Hemophilia and Thrombosis Center, which supports the AMPATH Kenya Hematology Program. Today, we are having a discussion on transfusions, donations, and blood quality. We have guests, Dr. Carol Kilaj, medical officer and general practitioner for AMPATH Kenya, and we have one patient here to share the knowledge and experiences. The patient that we have here today with us is Eunice, A sickle cell advocate and warrior, a member of the newly formed Sickle Cell Federation of Kenya, regional coordinator for the African Congress on Sickle Cell Disease, a new member of Voices for NCDI Poverty, and executive director slash founder of the Sickle Cell Uhuru Trust, SCAT and SCAT Company. Dr. Kilach. Can you tell me a little bit about your role and what type of work you do with sickle cell disease and hemophilia patients?
1: Um, Hi, everyone. Um, I am Dr. Carol Tlatch. Uh, Thank you, Sam, for inviting uh, me. I'm a general uh, practitioner. I work with the AMPATH Hematology Program, which is based at Moi Teaching and Referral Hospital in Lildoret, which is in Western Kenya. It is one of the second uh, largest uh, referral hospital uh, in Kenya and uh, we're privileged to work there. Uh, AmPath uh, Hematology Program focuses on two key key disease areas, and that is sickle cell disease, um, which is quite prevalent in the Western Kenya and uh, bleeding disorders, uh, the most common one being hemophilia. So the program focuses on improving and strengthening access to care for people with these blood disorders. And we do this through training, uh, screening, diagnosis, and provision of affordable care uh, in people in Western Kenya. Uh, the program has been running since uh, 20, uh, 2010. And currently, so far, we have reached over 5,000 healthcare workers and over 3,000 patients. And we are targeting even to reach more in the country.
0: Yuris, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself, uh, your role in the sickle cell uh, community in Kenya, and what type of work you do um, with your organization?
2: So Yuris so is a person who was born and diagnosed with uh, sickle cell disease at the age of eight months. And um, living with sickle cell has not been easy. It has its ups and downs, and also it ended up uh, leading me to start my own organization, where in my organization, which is called Sickle Cell Hulu Trust, our aim is to advocate, educate, and uh, empower, and also eradicate sickle cell in Kenya, just also to empower people who are living with sickle cell to be able to overcome and also get trained in their area of uh, professions, and also in their area of talent, and just also to to connect them to other people who can mentor them, to be able to do what they love doing each and every day. And uh, with that, we can have uh, opportunity, as Yonis have had opportunities to represent Kenya in different forums and uh, capacity. Like I am the regional coordinator for Africa Congress on Sickle Cell Disease. I'm also the um, Kenya representative for East Africa Sickle Cell Alliance. I also sit in the board for the Mother uh, Federation of Kenya, which is called Sickle Cell Federation of Kenya, where I am one of the board members. And um, that's it about this.
0: So Dr. Kilach. What are some of the disease complications and what role does red blood cell transfusions play in the treatment?
1: Um, so I'll begin by saying that it is important to understand that sickle cell disease is a red blood cell disorder for those who don't know. And so is a disease which affects blood and uh, because of that key on the treatment is, is blood. It can affect any part of the body because we have blood circulating in all our body organs uh, for survival. Uh, The most common manifestation of this disease is anemia and uh, something called vasoclusive pain crisis because of those red blood cells which are deformed. They don't flow very well into the blood circulation. Uh, People with this disease can have life-threatening complications. Um, Most common of them, they get frequent bacterial infections. Uh, There's a factor called acute chest syndrome that can lead to death um, and mobility, especially in people who are children, those who are under five years of age. And actually, uh, epidemiology studies have shown that a majority of people under five years of age, they die with sickle cell disease if no care is initiated. Uh, Another thing is something called cerebrovascular accidents, which are strokes. Commonly, we know them as strokes and this can lead to mortality and morbidity and they can have lifelong morbidity. So because of this, one of the acute treatment that people with this uh, disease have with this complication is blood transfusion. And uh, blood transfusion here, I'm talking about red blood cells transfusion because that is what they need. So that is what is affected. And if bloods, red blood cells transfusion has been shown to improve outcome in care, especially if it's initiated early um, for people with sickle cell disease, and one of the key, one of the complications I talked about, strokes. Uh, pe- the key treatment actually is having chronic transfusion therapy with blood red blood cells.
0: Eunice, what are your experiences um, when it comes to complications, uh, the disease complications, and what are the roles that Red blood cell transfusions play in the treatment?
2: So, um, sickle cell has a lot of um, side effects, if I may call them like that, because uh, as a person living with sickle cell, you'll end up having stroke, you may end up having something we call uh, a vaccine neurocrosses where you don't have enough oxygen and blood flowing in your body, so your bones end up eating each other. And uh, when you have an AVN, it means the only way you can treat it is by doing a total hip or knee replacement or even shoulder replacement. Then also you you can have uh, organ failures, your sight, your teeth. And also during pregnancy, uh, especially for ladies, uh, that is a time, depending um, on how your blood level usually is, most ladies tend to also be transfused, especially during pregnancy. And uh, before you do any surgery, also you need to be transfused just to uh, make you safe. And also there's something we call plastic um, plastic anemia or plastic uh, crisis where you tend to lose a lot of uh, blood so you become very anemic, and that means you have to be added blood after every two months or three months so it depends also how your body is uh, coordinating together with the drugs
0: dr kilaj another question for you what is your blood transfusion regimen at your hospital for example what is the hemoglobin level that indicates the need for red blood cell transfusion?
1: Um, So traditionally, and this is what has been known for somebody who has uh, anemia, the indication for blood transfusion is somebody who has a hemoglobin of less than 6 or symptomatic, symptomatic, um, meaning that they have symptoms of anemia, like they have fatigue, they have headache, they have dizziness. Uh, in a facility, we have in place recommendation for transfusion for persons with sickle cell disease. That's because we understand that the nature of the disease is different, like than somebody just having anemia because of maybe they they are losing iron or they got a cut wound and they lost a lot of blood. So this is different, and so um, what we recommend at our facilities, the the type of product they need is packed red cell. Uh, so this is. Um, what they usually do in the lab, they go and centrifuge the, the, the donated blood and then they separate them into different components of the blood products and what people with sickle cell disease require is called packed blood cell.
0: Eunice, how do you manage your disease? Um, through medications or is it blood transfusions or anything that you would like to share um, in this podcast related to complications?
2: So with the sickle cell complications, personally, I've gone through uh, a total hip replacement, meaning that I had uh, AVN. And uh, through that, um, I was uh, transfused. And during the, during the surgery, cause uh, uh, my blood level had to be maintained at a certain level. I usually am at uh, between nine pints to 8.7. So if I get lower than that, then definitely I get into serious crisis. And then also, um, I used to be transfused a lot as a kid because of uh, being anemic a lot and not also just eating a balanced diet as a kid. You you know, you just uh, disobey your parents, but uh, most of the time is. I try right now, I try very hard not to get transfused because I eat very healthy and I'm very particular, especially on the kind of foods I eat and that way it has helped me to manage myself. So, and I also am taking folic as a drug every single day. So that's how I manage my sickle cell status as per now.
0: Thank you, Eunice. And uh, also not forgetting the amount of water that you drink every day.
2: Is that right? Yes, I do between three to four liters of water every single day. And uh, right now I'm in a season where it's very cold. I do a lot of hot water. But it's also good to do warm water, do juices, do soups, just to also hydrate a lot.
0: Thank you. Another question to you, Eunice, is... Do you have regular transfusions and how often do you have to have them and do they make you feel better? And even um, when was the last time that you actually received a blood uh, transfusion um, to um, cater for your treatment?
2: Growing up, I used to have transfusions every Every two months, because of um, not really understanding what I was experiencing as a kid, and then also, and uh, during that time in the eighties, a lot of doctors really didn't understand how to care for sickle cell. And once you just became very anemic, the only solution was to be given blood. And that time, the blood that uh, the blood transfusion that I was used to be given was whole blood because we never used to separate the blood like right now. But um, the last time I was transfused was 2014, when I was doing now the total hip uh, replacement surgery. I was only given one pint, because my blood levels were normal. And then uh, after that, it's been long since uh, I got a transfusion, but what I do regularly is just to make sure that my blood level is at a certain level
0: where I don't become very anemic. Thank you, Eunice. And um, when you had your blood transfusion done in 2014 and the years before, did you have to wait to receive uh, the blood or was it immediate?
2: i used to wait for a while before i get the blood but 2014 because it was a scheduled uh, surgery by the time i was getting admitted the blood was already there waiting for me so i didn't wait <laughs> i think also it depends on the hospital you go to because mm-hmm. i was in a private hospital and that uh is i was able to get um blood immediately but when i used to go to a, a public hospital It used to take a while, like uh, you wait for a day or two to be able to get transfusion.
0: We are moving on to the next chapter, which will be learning about blood donations. So, Dr. Kilach, we would like to learn more today about blood transfusion and donations in Kenya. So what are some of the issues that cause delay or shortages? Are there any challenges that you experience in Kenya?
1: So I'm sure you will hear from the units uh, and uh, other people who have sickle cell disease that one of the key treatments they need is blood transfusion with red blood cells. Um, in Kenya, um, in, in, in Kenya, we are having a big problem with just having enough blood supply for all its needs. And uh, because of this, it also impacts uh, blood transfusion for people with sickle cell disease. Uh, blood transfusion center usually placed regionally. So Kenya is divided into different regions and for blood transfusion, I think we do have around eight regions uh, to serve nationally for people who are 50 million uh, currently uh, in the last population. And it depends on volunteers, people who are donors uh, to go and donate blood products. We do have several cultural norms, and majority of Kenyans really do not donate as such. They are not regular donors, and therefore, because of this, we are usually in a constant state of chronic shortage for blood products. And uh, we take time to uh, advise and encourage people to donate blood, and that is how we get blood donation. Most of what happens, usually there's something called blood drives that happens, uh, which is usually conducted by the blood transmission uh, units. And they usually go to schools, colleges, uh, especially institutions, and sometimes community events. And this is where they get most of their blood donation coming from. Because if they depend on people just to come and walk into these centers, to, the net blood will not get even as, as much as, as we need. So we do a lot of these drugs to get blood products in the country. And uh, because of this, uh, usually we get instances where we have acute shortages, because most of our blood products comes from institutions. Uh, during school holidays and school breaks, we get a lot of acute shortage during this period. And of course, we had a lot of challenges during the COVID pandemic, where these schools and institutions were closed for a long period of time. Uh, so there was a major hindrance um, getting blood products uh, during that period, and therefore, uh, when you request blood products for somebody who comes in, let's say they have a stroke and you need blood transfusion immediately, it's almost never readily available. You have to wait for it to maybe somebody to donate, or if uh, blood is available, you have to wait maybe for the blood type to be available. So it takes time, and of course, this impacts the management of the patient is receiving. It leads to increased
0: hospital stay, it increases to mobility, and it can also lead to mortality. So Eunice, you have been involved with blood donation drives, advocacy on blood donations, the importance of blood donations for people living with sickle cell. Um, What are your experiences over the years with all the efforts that you're doing in the various leadership positions that you're in as an advocate to continue advocating for blood donations and has there been challenges what are the successes and also what can be improved
2: as an advocate as a recruiter of blood one thing i've seen change over the years initially when we started doing blood drives and uh, urging the public to donate blood it used to be easier but um, right now when um, uh, when coming to this other side of advocating for a cause, it's usually uh, dependent on how the public receive you Because uh, what we've been doing over the years is, uh, especially during Valentine's, during World Psycho Cell Day, or uh, September when we're creating awareness, we usually co- uh, collaborate with the National Blood Transfusion of Kenya to just do blood drives in different uh, facilities where we we'll go and do the uh, celebration, uh, celebrating the World Psycho Cell Day. Uh, like uh, the last time I did a blood, um, a blood drive, was in kisumu where we were celebrating World for sunday and uh, we were able to collect uh, 35 pints from 35 donors so it is very important for people to donate blood reason being as a person as a blood donor you end up renewing your blood after every three months for gentlemen and then also for women after every four months it's good to donate uh, for people who are living with sickle cell they also get transfused during that time when beca- they become very anemic when they are going through um health challenge and the blood the blood the, the blood people who receive or you can call them the blood beneficiaries mm-hmm. it's not usually only sickle cell patients but also we have people who are going through surgery people who have done who have gone through accidents uh people who are going through chemo so Blood is really essential for every disease that uh, it's needed. So it's very good for anybody who can donate blood, please donate, because you'll save a life.
0: Thank you, Eunice. We will move on to blood quality and safety. And the question for you is, would it be good to understand what impacts um, blood quality and safety in in Kenya do you see any issues in regards to access to blood products and how does that impact patients
2: so if i just uh, i'll put a blank statement and say for blood safety that is something done between when the blood is collected to when it is stored so usually the bag where when you're donating where the bug, where your blood is kept, it's usually a safe place. But also now the transportation between where the donation has happened to the cold room where the blood is kept, that is now a work for the people who are working with the National Blood Transfusion Center. And also something uh, that um, I've come to learn over the years is uh, places where sickle cell is really high Uh, you'll find that uh, very few places have the blood banks. All they have is either a a satellite. So if you need blood and you're from one county, it has to take between 48 hours to 72 hours for you to receive blood from the main blood bank to come to where you are.
0: So, Dr. Kilaj, when thinking about blood quality and safety, it would be good to understand what impacts these aspects in Kenya. Do you have any issues with access to blood products or chelators? If so, what aspect and how does that impact the patient?
1: Oh, so as we have mentioned uh, before that uh, we are having issues with availability of enough blood products is a challenge. It's quite limited uh, because of issues of donations. And also the regional blood centers which are in charge preparing these blood products for uh, so quite few to some 50 million population. Therefore, getting uh, packed red blood cells is a challenge in most facilities, especially if you are coming in a rural facility where you're not near these um, centers. They almost really never get this um, specific blood products that is needed for, for sickle cell disease. And also to mention that uh, we don't have access to red blood cell exchange. So, there's something called X ray transmission, which is actually recommended event for people like when they are doing chronic transmission, like for strokes, rather than the simple transmission. And this almost really never happens in any of our resource centers at all. So, iron overload has not really been challenged enough in a, in a situation as such, just because you're not even giving them enough of what they re- really do need um, as per the recommendation. Uh, but uh, with knowledge and training, especially what you are doing, people are finding out that there are some conditions that in sickle cell, they have to do blood transition. So this is actually increasing the care for people with sickle cell disease. So we are do, we are do getting a number of patients who are actually getting into adulthood. They're still limited, but we are actually seeing with this improving care, uh, we are getting people going into adulthood. And of course, with that, we have began to address issues with iron um, overload. And of course, iron chelation is a treatment uh, to reduce the amount of iron into the body. So the body doesn't have the mechanism of trying to escape iron, so they, they do need drugs to help with that. These drugs are very expensive. In fact, even in our facility where we have, it's a national referral hospital, we don't have this facility available stocked in our pharmacy, so people have to buy outside. And it's quite quite costly to have these drugs available. So it's something that we are hoping that with improved knowledge on blood and blood safety that uh, our facilities will start stopping this drug and it will available for people with sickle diseases. disease
0: Have you ever been in a situation where patients have received the wrong blood type?
1: Well, I've never witnessed or had a patient receiving the wrong blood type. And I will attribute this to the fact that there have been improvement in blood quality and safety in Kenya. And uh, right now, for for any patient who need blood, they have to go. It has to be screened. It has to be tested, not just for the blood group, but also for other uh, blood infection um, blood blood infections, so that they don't give them um, blood which is contaminated. So we had so blood transfusion centers are doing a lot of quality to mitigate this, but I would say the main issues, because is actually that patients will delay getting blood um, because they have to wait for these processes to uh, to be done. They have to wait for their, to match their blood type. They have to wait for for the, for the screening of all the contaminations before they are able to get it. So this impacts on how soon you can get the type of blood that they, they require.
0: So Eunice, have you been in any situation where you have received the wrong blood type?
2: Personally, I have not. But I've had uh, supercell patients who have, and actually it has affected them. Like one is uh, seriously limping because of that. And also it ended up making his, uh, one, or, or, or one or, or, or on his left side, he's kind of paralyzed because of getting, being transfused the wrong blood. And uh, he's not the only one, there are many of them. And it's unfortunate that uh, all all these cases has happened in in one of the biggest referral hospitals in Kenya.
0: Thank you everyone for joining today on the Blood Exchange Podcast and providing some interesting perspectives to help educate on transfusions, donations, blood quality and the impact on the sickle cell community in Kenya. Everything discussed today is for educational and discussion purposes only and patients should always consult their doctors. I would like to also remind everyone around the world to get out there and donate if you are able to. Blood transfusions have and will continue to save millions of lives each year, and you can make a difference by donating.